it really is digging into the story and remembering that God came because he loves us. And so these ideas of hope and love and joy and peace, it's like peace is the culmination of absorbing all of that truth that leads up to that point. And so really being in the story and remembering it. That's Alexandra Kirkendall, and she joins us today on Focus on the Family. And I'm John Fuller, your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly. John, this is such a special and exciting time of the year for so many of us. Uh, We're celebrating friends and family, of course, but most importantly, uh, the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And even though it is a beautiful season, uh, with the holidays comes plans and parties and shopping and the gift list, and I think people are already getting stressed you're feel, Yeah, you're yeah. making me feel it here. Raising the anxiety for everybody, but today we want to help you uh, develop realistic expectations for Christmas and enjoy this season and not be burdened with all the stress. Um, I think the bottom line is let's embrace the season. And as Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 16, 14, let all you do be done in love. And I like that as the theme for this Christmas. A couple of years ago, our guest, Alex Kirkendall, uh, performed an experiment, which we will hear about, to really be intentional about enjoying Christmas. And she's going to share both her insights and the results of this little test with us today. And Alexandra is an author and the co-host of the Open Doors Sisterhood podcast. Uh, She speaks to women's groups around the country on parenting, faith, and personal growth. And she and her husband, Derek, have four daughters. That's right. Welcome. Thank you. Good to have you back. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Okay, we're going to talk about your experiment. I always light up. I love experiments. Yes. (laughs) I'm that little boy. I just love experiments. You know, whatever you can test... Yeah, it's fun. And I, what's the premise of the experiment and what did you find? Well, with an experiment, typically you're doing it because things aren't going well, right? You don't want to mess with a system that's already going, running smoothly, oh, that's going that's well. that's true. Yeah. So uh, a few years before I did the experiment, I had a particularly hard Christmas year. I think it was probably the ages of my kids. I still had a toddler. I was working part-time at MOPS. And I had visitors staying with me. And this (laughs) amount of stress and all of the extras made me resentful of the season. And when Christmas ended and I was walking around the office kind of saying Happy New Year to everyone, people asked me a very innocent question. How was your Christmas? And I couldn't even say fine. It felt like that was a big fat lie Mm. because I had stressed out so much that I had missed the good parts. I had absorbed the stressful parts. And I thought, you know, I would be fine if I didn't ever do this holiday again. Mm. With the exception of the baby in the manger, I could do away with all of the extras of Christmas. And I knew that there was something wrong there, right? Like we shouldn't feel that (laughs) way about this holiday. But it's a real feeling. I mean, I think a lot of women particularly are saying, amen, girl, you're Mm -hmm. exactly right. I had that experience last year. Right. Because women, and I'm going to make a generalization here, but women are the Christmas orchestrators. They carry the load. Right. Will you please get up from that football game and help me? (laughs) Well, and (laughs) we really- I mean, it's true. I'm guilty. We love special. Yeah. And we like to make everything special for our families, but we can over special. And I, 
I have heard it said that a woman birthed the first Christmas and women have been birthing Christmas ever since. Because we Mm. decorate the tree, we do the food, we often do the shopping, we do the wrapping, we do the Christmas cards, we do all of the extras and it can be overdone. Well, let me me ask you this because it it really does open an interesting perspective because there's so much expectation that's created with all that. And I think, you know, where I've let down Jean is right there because she has an idea undisclosed. Right. (laughs) And often probably she doesn't even realize it. Of what this Mm -hmm. is supposed to be like. And on Friday, we're going to do all this decorating. It should only take six hours. (laughs) And I, you know, (laughs) no, I'm serious. I mean, you know, and that is lean. I mean, that's pretty good if you can get the lights up by that and get the the tree, you know, Mm -hmm. all that stuff. But we're clueless. Me and the boys are like, whoa. But there is that problem. So let's talk about the parameters of mm-hmm. your little uh, scientific experiment here about making Christmas more about the Lord. <laughs> right. What, what did you say, okay, we're going to do this differently? What were the parameters? Well, I think expectations are a huge part of it. And we get expectations from all kinds of places that we don't even realize are feeding in to our psyche. So how we grew up, mm-hmm. traditions. So we either want to continue and create the Christmas for our new family uh, that resembles the Christmas of our childhood, or the opposite. Christmas was kind of a crazy mess, and we want Christmas to feel different for our kids. So there's that. We're combining two sets of family traditions often, but then just commercials, Pinterest, Instagram. Like we have these constant feeds that are telling us this is what Christmas looks like, or this is what Christmas is supposed to look like. Should women not look at Pinterest the whole month of December? <laughs> You Would know, that be a good, idea? a good idea? In my, in my experiment for loving my actual life, I did go off of social media in December. And I yeah. do think it, if you are going to take a break, December is a great time. You're it, already busy. You're already busy. You don't need to know how to make the jello mold look like Rudolph. I mean, you, it really doesn't make Christmas that much more special. Yes. So why not if you're going to take a break? But if you do absorb social media, if you do consume it, because that's what we do, we consume it, to do so with a discerning eye and to say this is somebody else's highlight reel. And this gets to the spirit of the book, that we can live into the if onlys of -hmm. Christmas in a big way. If only we had a bigger house, then we could have a Christmas party. If only we had a bigger budget, then we could give the kids the gifts that they really want this year. If only I lived closer to my sister. It doesn't matter what it is. We can fill our season with if only our life was different in this way, then we would have the holiday that's worth remembering. And that's not how God operated in the first Christmas. He didn't wait until Mary and Joseph were married. He didn't wait until they had the perfect place. I'm sure Mary's birth plan did not include having a baby in the barn with Really, the cows standing around and all that goes along with that, right? So Christmas entered humanity's story when things weren't perfect, and the holiday enters our lives every year when life isn't perfect. And so so if we can just put aside the whens and if onlys, and if going off of social media helps, then let's do that, and let's focus on the gifts that God has given us this year right now. Well, we've touched on expectation. In Mm -hmm. the book, you kind of uh, mention how we have to highlight hope Mm -hmm. over expectation. What do you mean by that, highlighting hope or emphasizing hope? 
So the experiment really was using the themes of Advent as kind of the guideposts for my season. You know, Christians have been celebrating Advent for centuries, so that's probably a pretty good place to start. So I looked at hope the first week, and some churches use the word expectation in place of hope, which as a mom who's been pregnant four times, anticipating a baby and expectation, those words seem to go well together for me, but it does touch on what are my expectations for this season? What are my husband's? What are my mother-in-law's? So what are my own getting habits? those out on the table is really critical. <laughs> it is. It is. And so those are real practical things that we can talk about. Like, where do you want to spend Christmas Eve? What is that going to look like? Who's going to be there? And talking about them at the beginning of the season rather than on our way to church to the Christmas Eve service, it's just going to go better. But sometimes those conversations are difficult, so we avoid them. Mm -hmm. But really, they are going to go better if we have them early on. And then hope is part of that because our expectations are based in the reality of our actual lives. And sometimes those are difficult and they are not what we want. But hope is something that sustains us. Hope entered the world. That's what we're celebrating at Christmas. And so to balance the expectation of our actual lives along with the Christ child is Christmas. This is Christmas. And I do want to say something. We'll hit this probably when we talk about joy a little bit. But there is something about Christmas that brings out the hard in our life that exists all year long. Mm. So if there is an empty seat at the table, it feels especially empty at Christmas time. Interesting, yeah. If we're having a hard financial situation in our home, it feels especially hard with the extra spending that comes up at Christmas. If our marriage is having a hurting spot, we can feel that hurt or in our extended family, the hurt in a more dynamic way over the holidays because it gets to that expectation that I thought life was going to go a certain way and the holidays are when we're taking pictures and everybody's together. And if things are difficult that feels heightened. No, that's so good. It's true. And it's a wonderful way to look at it. Uh, Alex, let's get into the Advent uh, adjectives. Like I just said, we covered hope a bit. Um, Let's move into love and joy. How did you begin to apply these? Why were these important to you? I mean, this Mm -hmm. is fruit of the spirit and I like that aspect of it, but uh, why were these the things that jumped out for you? Well, I kind of was looking at the church tradition and the church calendar, and these are the themes that often on a Sunday during Advent are celebrated. So I looked at love next, and, you know, God is love. He came as love during Christmas. And love is a word we almost overuse. It starts to lose its meaning a little bit, right? I love chocolate chip cookies. It doesn't mean the same as I love you or God so loved the world. And so I wanted to dig into what does it mean to love during this season? And really, it was paying attention to the people that are around me. Because often, as Christmas orchestrators, we can become a little bit rigid, I'll just say, about around the traditions and the to-do list that we forget the people. Again, expectations, really, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. And, you know, we're going to do this craft tonight because we always do it, one, so that makes it like (laughs) a have to. Right. (laughs) This is resonating. And when you have children, all of a sudden, your children have opinions, too, about 
what has to be continued. You do something one year and suddenly it's a tradition in their mind. Right. And Or that it has to be continued. Right. <laughs> That's another one. Do we have to do Do we that? have to do this? Right. So as the mom, as yes. the orchestrator, I need to listen to my people sometimes. That conversation can go something like this. Yes, we have to cover love tonight. <laughs> yes, we have to do it. Um, but really it was, how do I pay attention to what my people need? So from my husband to my kids to my mom, who was spending the first year without her husband. Mm. He'd passed away just a few months before. Mm. And I cover that a lot in the book because it was part of the reality of my Christmas. So how do I love people well? And really it was about in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the busy, how do I pay attention when people need me? And so one example was in the book, um, that very first Monday of the week of love, I was taking one of my children to visit a middle school. She was going on her visit. We thought it was probably where she was going to go in the following fall. And I realized, you know what? I have a couple of hours when she's done. Why don't we go out to lunch? Why don't we just play hooky today from school? And so I spent a few hours with her. And here is a child who's in the middle of our group of four who often gets overlooked in the shuffle right, of Right, no busy. special time. Right. And yeah. so it was allowed for me to spend some one-on-one -on -one time with one of my middle children. And it really was letting go of the to-do list and saying, you know what? The Christmas cards aren't going to get addressed today like I thought they would, and that's going to be okay. So, Alex, you covered hope for one week, love for another week. The third week was joy. Mm -hmm. um, how did joy come about in, in this experiment, this Christmas experiment that you did? Well, I think joy is one that's a little harder for people. Really? Again, if things aren't working out the okay. way you thought they would. Now, Christmas brings up the hard. It is also an annual marker because if you think about it, you know exactly where you were last year at Christmas time. If someone says, where were you at Christmas? You know, right? So you've lived a year of life since last Christmas. And if you're feeling disappointed, either life didn't work out the way you thought it would, when you look back to yourself a year ago, mm -hmm. or it just isn't working out in general, in certain areas of your life. That pain can be very real. And so to think of joy as this exuberant feeling of happiness, it often is a contrast to how people are actually feeling mm -hmm. over the holidays. So I'll take myself as an example. I was having a lot of grief. And in some ways, this was the most difficult Christmas I had spent because someone I loved dearly had died just two months earlier. My mom was dealing with a ton of grief and I was carrying a lot of that load and caring for her in the mm. process. And so I don't want to just skim over joy like it's something that's easy for people to achieve. At the same time, this is the reality of living the Christian life, right? We live in the midst of hard and we know um, that God is the source of our joy. Mm -hmm. He sustains us. He is the joy of of the world. And we sing at Christmas time, joy to the world. And so that is how joy was kind of approached as I walked into this week. How can I find joy in the midst of my grief? Yeah. And, and for you going through that, you know, the, the grief process and losing a loved one right at that time, some people can be swallowed up in that. Mm -hmm. how, how did you, I guess, fight back to find joy? Mm -hmm. Um, that would help a lot of people to hear how you did that. Well, the good news is that we have good news, right? So the Christmas story 
is God entering in the middle of grief. He enters the world for us, especially for us that are grieving. He came for the brokenhearted. He didn't come for the people who already had a joy-filled heart. He came for the brokenhearted. So that, if you think about the characters in the Christmas story, there was a lot of grief in there, Mm -hmm. a lot of disappointment, a lot of unmet expectations from Mary to Joseph to... um, I'm sure their extended families. Right, their Their parents. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like this wasn't the script that they thought they were going to live out. And so to go into that story, I think was really helpful for me that year. To read Mm -hmm. Luke chapter two over and over and look at the story from the perspective of the people who were living it out and say, I see myself in that. And Christ came for them and he came for me in my circumstances today. And to know and remember that this is Christmas. Christmas is the light of the world entering darkness. So if you're feeling like you're in a dark place, the good news is we have good news. And, and you're really, in a great way, touching on the fourth point of peace. And I mean, that is it. You see part of the world not at peace, all mm-hmm. chaos, and then you see your own little setting. And on the one hand, you have to be grateful. Right. Lord, thank you for your shalom, mm-hmm. your peace in my life. That moment with your daughter. I mean, that's a God peace moment. And then you, you got to bear the burdens of the world in, in some way, some mm-hmm. capacity. How did you address peace? Well, you know, um, the last week leading up to Christmas tends to be the panic week for the Christmas yeah. orchestrators, right? <laughs> Certainly for us husbands. <laughs> yeah. It's all of the last minute shopping, the last minute food prep. Oh, yeah. And so it was recognizing my limitations, for one, and saying, I need to get sleep I need to not be up until 2 a.m. on Christmas Eve putting but wrapping things, presents. Things won't get done then. Right. But I, so I had to let go of things. And so some of peace is recognizing my human limitations and allowing Christmas to be what it is at that And point. being comfortable with it. And being okay with it. Yeah. And saying, you know, this doesn't look like something I see on Pinterest and that's okay. Okay, yeah. And then it really is digging into the story and remembering that... God came because he loves us. And so these ideas of hope and love and joy and peace, it's like peace is the culmination of absorbing all of that truth that leads up to that point. And so really being in the story and remembering it. You know, I want us as Jesus followers to be Christ's ambassadors at Christmas time. And that doesn't mean getting mad at people because they don't say Merry Christmas. I'm laughing at the store yes. clerk, you know, <laughs> don't lose your cool because it's crazy for them. Right. Yeah. So it, be different. Say, man, you must be under so much stress. What can I do for you? You want a latte? Exactly. Go buy them something. Hmm. Right. And your neighbors to recognize the pain and the hard that they're missing their son or your um, neighbor whose husband is deployed to recognize the people around you Mm -hmm. and to live differently and to say, you know, this is a crazy time for me too. I've got all the same to-do list that you do, but I am living under this umbrella of peace because my heart knows that I am loved and because I remember that the reason we do this whole crazy making in the first place is because God changed the trajectory of humanity when he stepped onto earth as a baby and we celebrate that now and that is what gives me peace 
even though I've got a lot of wrapping still to do. Yeah, and I, I love mm -hmm. the authenticity of it. In fact, in the book, and this will bring us back down to earth, <laughs> I think you and your husband Derek had an argument when he uh, picked up a few stocking stuffers, right? Oh, right. So, <laughs> so this is good. <laughs> I had a system, right? I had a system of how many gifts each child was going to get under the tree and in the stockings. And he thought he was just being generous, right? Yeah. And helping me out. He was blowing the equilibrium of the entire universe. And I got <laughs> very upset at him for going and buying, you know, two of the kids extra things for their stockings because it, it blew my system. But what I realized in that moment as I was having a meltdown in our kitchen... <laughs> And he was looking at me like, what is the problem? I was just trying to help. Is that it was an issue of control. That here I was, the Christmas orchestrator, and I wanted to control everything. And in the midst of my grief that I could not control and circumstances for my mom that I could not control, mm -hmm. I was grasping at the things that I could. And in an unhealthy way, um, it was seeping out. Mm -hmm. And so it was, again, letting go of some of the expectations and recognizing my own limitations and saying thank you for trying to help and I, I might make a few adjustments or we might hold these out until Valentine's Day these <laughs> gifts um, so that my system what? isn't messed up. No, um, but it was recognizing that this was a matter of my heart and I wasn't stepping into the peace that really is what should sustain me during this season. You know, what I appreciate about who you are and what you've written in this book, you strike me as a mom and a wife. <laughs> but at the same time, bringing that kind of idea that you mm. can take a deep breath, take it as it comes, do the best you can, settle into the important things, the gifts that God has given us, not what mankind can give us, the new whatever, phone or what have you. But that idea of hope and love and peace and joy, those are the gifts that really matter. And I'm thinking of that person, as you said a moment ago, how lonely Christmas can feel. I mean, depression is high. Suicides are typically high at this time of year because people feel hopeless, mm -hmm. joyless. And so all these things happen. Speak to that woman who is in that spot right at the end of the program here, who maybe is so suffocating mm -hmm. from this world, they can't even breathe. Mm -hmm. What would you say to her? What can she do today that can begin to dig her out of that hole of hopelessness? Mm -hmm. You know, we talk at Christmas time about these words of hope, love, joy, and peace. And we cross-stitch them on pillows, and they become just part of the background of the season. But when we step into the true meanings of the word, they're not trite words. They're not easy words to even live into, even for someone who isn't in a dark place. They are words that are complex and that God understands. And when we think of love and God's love for us, it is his love for every part of who we are. Yeah. The, the parts we want to show the world and the parts we don't want anybody to see. Yeah. That that love is in its entirety for those dark places too. The same is true for hope. That we don't just have hope when things are going well. We have hope because things aren't going well and we know it's not the end of the story. The story ends on the cross. It Jesus' story started at Christmas, but it's pushing 
toward the cross. And the baby in the manger doesn't have the same meaning unless we look at the redemption that happens on Easter Sunday. And so this is a big picture. So that word of hope, it encompasses all of that. And joy and peace, which can feel so out of reach in a time of darkness, are also words that God, he's present with us and offers us these things that feel so much like they're slipping through our fingers during this season because he understands pain. He came to earth to be able to walk and understand grief in the same way that we do, and yet he offers us a sustaining joy. So joy is the word that we go to. It's what we cling to when we aren't happy. It's the sustaining knowledge of who God is. He does not change. And so his character and his promises are what we can look to when the world feels like it's crumbling around us. What a good reminder from Alexandra Kirkendall. Even in the darkest moments, we can trust God and his promises. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller. At this time of year, many people feel the way Jim and Alexandra were describing at the end there, hopeless and joyless. And let me say, if you're in that spot, we're here for you. You know, thankfully, we have supporters who allow us to staff a counseling department. You can call us if you're living in that dark place here at Christmas and leading up to Christmas. Call us, let us talk with you and hopefully provide a biblical perspective, as Alex has done, to say here's why we can have joy, even in chaos. This is the Christian experience. This is what we mean by eternal life. And we certainly hope that you possess that, a relationship with Jesus. And if you don't, we have a terrific download for you online called Coming Home. It's going to answer a lot of your questions and walk you through the steps that you can take to come to know God through Jesus. You'll find a link for that when you visit us at safamily.co.za. And I'll remind you that Focus on the Family is a listener-supported ministry. We're grateful for your prayers and your financial support. Your monthly contributions allow us to plan and budget for programs to reach families with truth and to answer their difficult questions. And so may I encourage you to donate today. You can also do that online at safamily.co.za. Thanks for being with us today. I'm Graham Schnell for Focus on the Family Africa, inviting you back next time when we'll once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.